0: You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Jack Lewin, Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Cardiology. It is time we dedicate ourselves to improving the hospital discharge process. The right changes could have a profound impact reducing the incidence and costs of unnecessary readmissions, and most importantly, improving outcomes for our patients. How can the field of cardiology do its part to answer this call for action? Our guest today is Dr. Harlan Krumholtz, the Harold H. Hines, Jr., Professor of Medicine, Epidemiology, and Public Health at the Yale University School of Medicine. Welcome, Harlan. Hey,
1: Jack. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, It's a delight. I wanted you to talk to us today about the American College of Cardiology's Hospital-to-Home H2H initiative that we're launching with the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. Can you tell us a little bit about the aims of the project and when it's going to happen and so forth? Sure, I'd be glad to. You
1: know, I think this project is best understood in the context of the work we've been doing over the last couple years and particularly the great success that we had in the D2B Alliance. You know, the D2B Alliance, the Door to Balloon Alliance, was an initiative that was – led by the American College of Cardiology, went out and got about 38 other cooperating and supporting partners and sought to improve the timeliness of treatment for patients presenting with STEMI. And as you know, when we were first starting this project, there were a lot of concerns in the country that the times were quite slow, that only a minority of the patients were being treated within the guideline-based recommendation of 90 minutes. And, in fact, many people were saying, you know, you're just not going to be able to improve this. We're all going as fast as we can and moving as quickly as we can. And, you know, working with these partners and cooperating with the chapters, the ACC chapters and other organizations like American Heart Association and initiatives around the country, we're able to work together and really drive those times down through improved systems of care, real emphasis on systems. And gee, I want to tip my hat particularly to the interventional cardiologists who this project only meant that they had to work harder, but they really engaged and as a result, you've probably seen some of the more recent data from the ACC, but about 80% of the patients are being treated within that time frame. So it was really remarkable, and, you know, we sort of started asking ourselves, gee, what could we do next that would be of this kind of scale and could make this kind of impact on the country? And, and readmissions just sort of popped right up into view for us as an area where there was a lot of opportunity to improve care, Was an area that's been pretty much neglected, and as you know, with a lot of current emphasis on costs in the healthcare system, this is also an area that where we could be contributing to decreasing the waste. So, even before getting into the specific aims, I just, you know wanted to give you a sense that this was what we thought would be a big win. This target of readmissions is an area that we could really focus on.
0: Right on. You think about it. I mean, door to balloon also indicates we're just giving people information about how they're doing, changes their behavior. So H2H. I mean, is this something that's going to play out next year or the year after, or when's this going to start happening and how?
1: We're moving quickly. Like Door to Balloon, there's a big emphasis here on systems and cooperations, and the docs are important, but so are the nurses and everyone else who's working in this system of care, with a real emphasis on this vulnerable spot in our healthcare system, which is the transition from inpatient to outpatient status we're just beginning to really accept the fact that we just are not doing a good job in this area. And these numbers that are coming up, which seem very consistent that well among Medicare beneficiaries, which represent the majority, for example, in heart failure, about one in four of them are ending back up in the hospital within 30 days of being discharged. You know, this just feels unacceptable. And we have knowledge that we can do better in these areas. We've lacked incentives generally to do invest much in this area to do a lot, but, you know, we know it's the right thing, and we hope that this campaign, which will launch in the fall, will help bring together the resources and ideas and energy and talent to help spread ideas about how to improve. It also comes at a time when CMS is going to start publicly reporting 30-day readmission rates for hospitals around the country for three conditions, two in cardiology, AMI and heart failure. The other one's pneumonia. And with this sort of extra scrutiny and attention being paid on this, we feel this is a very timely opportunity for us not to just talk about measurement. You're right, the measurement's going to get people attention by itself, but also to equip people with tools and knowledge that's going to help them to make a difference in their local institutions.
0: This could be 20% of the hospital-related costs in Medicare if we could reduce readmissions and do it 100%. Well, obviously... Just a percentage of that would be good. But with 27% of the heart failure patients bouncing back in 30 days and a much higher percentage over the next few months, this is low-hanging fruit in health system reform for reducing costs. So, I mean, I think that we've got some lessons to learn in terms of unplanned readmissions, though, because people have talked about this for a while. Are there some successful ideas or concepts in the past that are working in this regard? And what's working, what isn't?
1: It's a really good question, and by the way, just in terms of this, you know, we have an important educational mission here to have people remember that the goal isn't going to be zero and that there are some people who get readmitted despite excellent care, and it's not a perfect marker of quality, but everybody feels that there's a large number of these preventable readmissions that better care can impact, and the evidence behind that are the numerous studies that have been done which show that you can really modify these readmission rates through better transitions of care you know, once you start digging into it, there's a lot of clear best practices here which are not common practices. So, you know, whether it has to do with communication within the care system. So, for example, uh, I know many places where docs have up to six, eight weeks to dictate their discharge summary. Well, you know, if, as you said, 20-some percent are being readmitted, that's ancient history by the time it gets done. So many of these patients don't have appointments. I was disappointed a patient I was talking to who ended up back in the hospital. I realized that when they were discharged, we said, you know, make sure you call your doc and get an appointment within the next week. And then they reported when they were readmitted they did that, but the doc's office told them that the next appointment was available three months. And somehow it wasn't communicated that this was really important and that the patient had just been discharged and the patient didn't want to assert themselves. So in that handoff, that handoff of responsibility, you know, we have issues – Patients often don't know their meds. We had a patient come in. They thought they were told to increase their Lasix, but they doubled their Linoxin dose and ended up getting in trouble with DIG. And, you know, all these kinds of things are going on all the time where better communication systems support might be able to make a difference here. And uh, there is evidence, like I said, from published reports that these kinds of interventions were really focusing on this transition and realizing that it's a very vulnerable period can make a big difference. And part of this H2H is going to be to really put together a repository of information for hospitals to choose from, which may
0: help them to do better. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I am your host, Dr. Jack Lewin. Our guest is Dr. Harlan Krumholtz, the Harold H. Hines, Jr., Professor of Medicine, Epidemiology, and Public Health at the Yale University School of Medicine. We're discussing efforts to reduce unplanned hospital readmissions. Well, think about the fact that the readmissions probably costing Medicare 30000 bucks. that could be money saved and put into a little better home care, maybe some more nursing visits, maybe having a nurse go home with the patient from the hospital to make sure the meds are right, to make sure that the home environment is safe, to make sure that the handoff to a new practice is going. These things wouldn't cost a lot of money, but could do a world of good if we could reduce readmissions. Now, do you think there's a chance in the reform of payments that we could see some gain sharing here so that physicians and in the community could be encouraged to actually get an upside for the payment that otherwise is going to be flat, as far as I can see, for 10 years under the current payment formula by engaging in this quality improvement process of reducing readmissions? Should this be part of payment reform? Yeah, I'm really hopeful that people are going to see
1: this. One of the exciting things about this area of readmission is that there really is a business model that can work. I mean, by decreasing these readmissions, it frees up a lot of resources that otherwise would be spent on preventable events, which are not only costly but are, you know, unfortunate for patients. I mean, no patient wants an unplanned preventable admission to the hospital. And, you know, this can be a real win-win. If we can divert some of those resources in ways that are going to reward places and persons who invest in improving that care at the transition, then that just could be a big win all over. We know that'll drive adoption. We know that'll improve outcomes. Without it, you're really asking the practitioners and the institutions to make these kinds of investments because the right thing, and of course, they want to do that, but they're also put in a position where they are diverting resources from other areas, which could also need attention, and, you know, this would just make a lot of a sense to sort of stage this and to begin to put more resources into these areas. I was just at a place, Jack, where, you know, they do call, personally call every patient two days after they go home and make sure that they really heard what the instructions were and are set up with their appointments. And this was a place with excellent performance. And I thought, gee, this is a template. Of course, they're doing it on their own. They're not getting any payment for that. The hospital's not. And, you know, again, I know they want to do the right thing, but it helps a lot when there's a business model to support the right actions.
0: Well, especially when the hospital's bottom line will be hurt if we are successful in reducing readmissions. The ACC has been thinking that there need to be three different kinds of incentives out there, one for the patient to want to be part of a quality improvement network of sorts, maybe a lower copay or some other incentive, one for the hospital to say, if you get engaged in this and you help with the transition, as you have suggested, Harlan, that you're going to have an upside in your DRG payments. You're going to get something back that causes you to be part of it. And then, obviously, a gain sharing for the doctors in the community who would be working together with nurses and others to keep people well and at home. Hopefully, this is going to be part of payment reform. Any thoughts about whether these kinds of financial models will be built into H2H?
1: First, let me just completely agree with you here. And I also have to say that the healthcare system has to bear some responsibility for what it created. So it created a system where the hospitals actually did better financially with readmissions. And so for that reason, I don't think it can go cold turkey on this and just reverse field. There needs to be a way to ease the transition to a system that makes more sense and is better for the patients. With regard to H2H, what we're trying to do, is, you know well, but we want to make sure the listeners understand that, you know, there are various facets to this project. One is directly working with hospitals and practitioners to try to disseminate good information and to help encourage best practices and to try to track change and over time and make sure the patients do better. We also recognize the importance of working with the ACC on advocacy side and with others on advocacy side to try to ensure that the kind of changes we're trying to make and the improvements in the healthcare system are supported by better incentives within the payment system and financing system. So, yeah, I mean, this is definitely going to be part of it because we can't just advocate for better care without trying to provide the sports within the healthcare system that are going to provide long-term financial viability for these kinds of investments. You know, I'm really thrilled that there's interest at the ACC in fact leadership at the ACC in these kinds of areas because as you know, this isn't going to be sustainable. We can't just cheerlead these changes. They have to become really embedded in the way in which the healthcare system is structured in order for us to be confident that they will continue and be successful in the future
0: beyond dealing with the illness that returns a patient to the hospital, Harlan, it would seem that there are additional psychological stresses that come with a return visit. How is this going to improve patient care in ways that we don't yet fully understand?
1: Well, you know, in, take heart failure, for example. You know, we know that self-care is important. We know that self-efficacy, the confidence patients have in their ability to care for themselves probably plays a key role in their ability to actually do what we're suggesting, weigh themselves, keep track of their weights manage their diet, manage their medications, and also recognition that for some patients, particularly older ones, there's a need to bring in other people to help them. That, you know, we're often sending people home whose eyesight's not good, whose balance isn't good. We're giving them instructions to do things that actually they cannot do. And, you know, all of this emphasis on this transition and the supports around them I think are going to help them do better. And their overall health has got to improve if we can keep them out of the hospital, keep them more independent, and to improve the trajectory of recovery after that initial hospitalization. You know, if we begin to measure their quality of life and their satisfaction and so forth, it's got to go up if we can address these issues and help their functional status improve. So all of these things, I think, are going to be important, and they really broaden our thinking about what really represents a successful discharge from the hospital, which is not just that we got them out, but how did they do over the next month, two months, three months, And have we really been able to help them successfully navigate this very vulnerable period where they were critically ill and now are well enough to leave the hospital but perhaps still at great risk for decompensation for adverse events that in many cases can be preventable?
0: All right. Well, that's good. You know, we have been learning more about how we can reduce unplanned hospital readmissions with Dr. Harlan Krumholtz. Harlan, thank you very much for being our guest. This was a fascinating program. Oh,
1: Jack, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you for your
0: support of H2H. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.